Hello, and in this week's podcast we are covering aspects examined in this week's lecture in biology, namely the cardiovascular system, moreover the heart and associated blood vessels. Now I will cover more details in this podcast than was possible in the lectures, so you may need to have your notes open in front of you and you will probably need to listen to this a few times. Now mammals have a double circulatory system which means that the right hand side of the heart pumps deoxygenated blood to the lungs in the pulmonary artery to pick up oxygen and release carbon dioxide. The oxygenated blood then returns to the left hand side of the heart in the pulmonary vein. From there the blood is pumped to the body in the aorta, eventually returning to the right hand side of the heart in the vena cava to start the cycle all over again. Since the right hand side of the heart pumps to the lungs, which are situated close to the heart, the walls are much thinner than the left side, which of course has to pump blood out of the heart to the body. Now the heart is about the size of your clenched fist and is situated in the chest cavity just underneath the breastbone, slightly tilted towards the left. It is composed of cardiac muscle tissue and connective tissue. The cardiac cells beat without fatigue and is unique in this respect. A membrane known as a pericardium surrounds the heart. The organ itself has four chambers, two on the right hand side and two on the left. The two sides are separated by a muscular wall known as the septum. The top chamber on each side is called the atrium and the bottom is called the ventricle. The atria receive blood as it enters the heart and pumps it into the ventricles. The ventricles pump blood out of the heart. Due to this, the walls of the atria are much thinner than the walls of the ventricles. Now inside the heart, and at the base of the vessels that leave the heart, are valves. These valves only open one way, which ensures there is no backflow of blood. The valves are held open or closed by tendons, known as chordae tendinae, or perhaps better known as heart strings, which are attached at the other end to the papillary muscles in the ventricle wall. The valves open to let blood through, and then they snap shut. This sound of the valves closing is the lub-dub sound of the heartbeat. The muscle of the heart is called cardiac muscle and is made up of tightly connecting cells. This close contact allows rapid communication from cell to cell in the form of an electrical charge known as ions. This then allows smooth, efficient waves of contraction and relaxations to pass through the heart. The tissue is said to be myogenic, that is, it doesn't need an electrical impulse from a nerve to make it contract. If the cardiac muscle is supplied with enough oxygen and nutrients, a task carried out by the coronary arteries, it will continue to contract and beat at a steady pace. Nerves supplying the heart, though they're not needed to start the contractions, can of course bring an increase or decrease in the rate of contractions when appropriate, and we'll explore this in later lectures. Now let's turn our attention to something known as the cardiac cycle, which involves two types of action one called systole and the other called diastole. One cardiac cycle consists of the atria and then the ventricles contracting so that the blood that has entered the heart is pumped back out. This occurs about 70 times every minute and is continuous. The periods of contraction are called systole and the periods of relaxation are called diastole. Now let's begin this cycle when the atria are in diastole, that is they're relaxed and for this discussion we'll actually lump the bicuspid and tricuspid valves together and call them collectively the atrioventricular valves. 
because they're between the atria and the ventricles. Now blood at low pressure in the veins flows in the atria. This increases the pressure inside the empty atria as they fill. Now some of the blood will trickle through the open atrioventricular valves into the relaxed ventricles below. However, when the atria are full, they go into atrial systole. Their walls contract and push the blood through the valves into the ventricles. The pressure in the atria is increased due to this contraction and the pressure is now slowly increasing the ventricles as they fill with blood. When the atria contract, blood can't flow back into the vena cava because the pressure of the blood pushes on the valves in the veins to shut them. After a short delay, the ventricles contract from the base upwards. The pressure inside the ventricles increase due to the ventricular systole. As the pressure increases to a higher level than the pressure in the atria, blood pushes against the atrioventricular valves, shutting them. And this is the first sound of the heartbeat. The semilunar valves open under the pressure and blood leaves the heart. The ventricles relax, called ventricular diastole and the semilunar valve snaps shut behind the blood. And this is the second heart sound. So how is the cardiac cycle itself regulated? Well, the heartbeat is initiated in a specialized area of muscle in the right atrium called the sinoatrial node, or SAN, or we better know, know it as the pacemaker. The SAN, or pacemaker, starts the waves of electrical activity which results in contraction. Now the waves spread out over the two atrial walls first, so that they contract. There is a band of fibres between the atria and the ventricles, which have a high electrical resistance, so the waves can't spread from the atria to the ventricles. There is, however, an area which does conduct electricity in the septum, and the waves can pass from here through the ventricles. This specialised area is called the atrioventricular node, or AVN and is located in the septum at the top of the ventricles and these will pass on electrical messages after about 0.1 seconds have elapsed. Now this delay is critical. It would be disastrous if the ventricles contracted at the same time as the atria. So that's why there is a short period of delay before the ventricles contract. Now the atrioventricular node passes these electrical signals through to the ventricles via little fibres known as Purkinje fibres. This causes the ventricles to contract from the base upwards, ensuring that the blood is forced up and out in the ventricles leaving the heart. Now of course there are many factors that can affect heart rate, such as exercise, stress, hormone imbalance, dietary intake and so on. And you'll cover more of these uh, details regarding these and others in future lectures. Now let's turn our attention to the blood vessels themselves. All cells require nutrients, and most require oxygen as well. Waste products also need to be removed, of course. With a small organism, this demand can be met by simple diffusion over the body's surface, but larger or very active organisms need a transport system with a pump to ensure that the supply meets the demand of all cells, even those deep within the body. Now, as we've just heard, in mammals, the pump is the heart. Substances are carried within the blood, the blood is contained within vessels, with substances being released out of or into the blood as it flows through certain vessels called capillaries, which can be found in organs. Now, blood is carried within a closed transport system that is made up of three types of vessel, arteries, capillaries and veins.
Arteries carry blood away from the heart. Capillaries are the site of exchange of materials between the blood and the tissues. And veins carry blood back to the heart. The structure of an artery comprises the tough outer layer known as the tunica external, which is made up of collagen and elastic fibres. Beneath this is another layer made up of smooth muscle fibres, more collagen and more elastic fibres, known as the tunica media. Finally, beneath this we have a layer of smooth muscle and endothelial cells known as the tunica intima. The lumen of the artery is very small, which of course increases blood pressure. Blood pumped out of the heart is at a very high pressure, so the structure of the arteries must be adapted to cope with this. They can withstand very high pressure by having very thick walls made up of elastic fibres and smooth muscle fibres. These allow the walls to stretch as blood surges through them so that they don't burst or rupture. A large artery will split into smaller arterioles, then they will branch into further many tiny capillaries. Arterioles have walls with a similar structure to arteries, but they have a greater proportion of smooth muscle and less elastic tissue. They don't have to withstand as high pressure as arteries and have the ability to contract because of the smooth muscle and regulate the flow of blood to a tissue. To work efficiently, the capillaries need to be small enough to be in close proximity with small groups of cells and their walls need to be thin enough to allow substances to move in and out of the blood. To enable this, there are tiny gaps between the cells making up the walls of the capillary. So, in effect, they're leaky. These allow substances to leave the blood and bathe the cells of the tissues. This fluid made up of plasma and dissolved substances is called tissue fluid. And if you've ever had a blister and seen the colourless liquid within burst out, then that's tissue fluid. The lumen of the capillary is so small that it only allows one blood cell through at a time. And even then, the red blood cells may have to be bent to get them through. Once through an organ, the capillaries then join to form larger venules, which themselves then join to form veins. Since at this stage the pressure of the blood is low, blood needs to be encouraged to flow back to the heart. To prevent any black backflow of blood, particularly important if blood is flowing against gravity, such as when you stand up, and when you did that little experiment where you put your left hand down and your right hand up, there are valves in the veins. Also, the veins pass through or very close to muscles. When the muscles are active in contracting and relaxing, the squeezing on the veins moves blood along, but because of the valves, they only ever move in one direction, and that is back to the heart. As the pressure is so much lower in the veins than in the arteries, there is little need for the elastic fibres and smooth muscles in these walls. However, the vein shares the same basic structure of an artery with the tunica external, tunica media and tunica intima, but, as I've already said, with far less smooth muscle and elastic fibres. Also, the lumen is very large, and there are the valves, of course, to prevent the backflow of blood. Well, that's all for now. In the next podcast, I will cover blood, the effects of exercise, and some cardiovascular diseases. So, until then, as always, good luck and goodbye.